Good morning. Great to meet you this name this morning. Happy Father's Day. Personal Happy Father's Day to you, Dad. I didn't get it done this morning. And Happy Father's Day to all of you dads that are here this morning. Uh, I was told I didn't have to speak on this, but I guess I, my thoughts went, if I wait till I'm a perfect dad, you might be disappointed. I might never get there. So this, uh, this message, studying it, uh, I'm probably going to learn more from it than what you, than what you will what you remember but uh, for the rest of you here I'm not asking for you to kick your feet up and take a nap although I know it's going to be challenging with uh, the heat that we have doziness is easy when it's hot and trust me it is hotter outside than it is in here right now so take comfort in that um There's a magazine that I receive periodically, and in the back of it, there's a, in the very last page, there's a full section of quotes, sayings, proverbs, verses um, that are kind of cool, and I find them interesting to read. And uh, when I found out that Father's Day was going to be my assignment, I found one uh, a few weeks back on Father's, and uh, so I pulled a few of them out here this morning for you, and I'm going to read them. One father is more than a hundred schoolmasters, and that's by George Herbert. This one should be very familiar with us. When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant I could hardly stand to have an old man around, but when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man learned in seven years. That's by Mark Twain. I believe that what we become depends on what our fathers teach us at the odd moments, when they aren't trying to teach us. We are formed by the little scraps of wisdom. That's by Herbert Echo. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, let them be, lest they be discouraged. That's found in Colossians 3.21. My father used to play with my brother and me in the yard. Mother would come out and say, you're tearing up the grass. His reply, we're not raising grass, we're raising boys. By Harmon Kilbrew. Being a great father is like shaving. No matter how good you shave today, you have to do it again tomorrow. And that's by Reed Markman. Now, if I was to tell you this morning that I am selfish, irritable, grumpy, ill tempered, just hard to get along with, it goes through your mind. Would you want a father like that? Would you want to be around somebody like that? You'd say, what a lousy father. So I ask the question, do I portray any of those characteristics? I know if I was to ask my children for a report on my behavior, that I'd probably get a fairly good report. I'm fairly confident of that. They look past the flaws and they see the good, but I know as I as they get older, they'll probably see those flaws and realize that I'm not a perfect dad. 
but I hope they can still give a good report and know that I'm not perfect, but that doesn't give me an excuse to not to try to be perfect. So, that leads me to my message here this morning. I want to point you to someone that is perfect, and he is our Father, and that is God. So the title of my message is The Perfect Father. And um, last time I preached, I took my message from the Sermon on the Mount. We looked at the first beatitude. Well, I'm taking my text right from the same, uh, same sermon again. And that's going to be found in chapter 7 of Matthew. And look at verse 9 and through 11. I remember fairly young reading these verses and never fully, totally understanding why why these were here. I mean, it's very obvious that you wouldn't do this. I mean, but let's read them. Matthew 7, verse 9 through 11. Or what man is there of you whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? There's a, another variation of the same scripture found in Luke 11. You don't have to turn there, I'll just read it. It's almost the same, just a little different uh, twist to it. Luke 11, verse 11. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will ye offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? So, looking at these verses, it seems very clear that Jesus is making a very... Uh, positive or uh, obvious statement. Um, you know, if parents are normal parents, they're going to care for their children. Right? Absolutely. It's normal. Now there are those that are abused. But I don't believe that's what this is talking about referring to how we care for our children. So I could put it this way. So what Jesus is saying, if you are evil, you will still have a desire to meet your children's needs. That is that is probably usual. But so much more is he making the example that if you are evil and you meet your children's needs, how much more is God being he's good, going to meet your needs. It is interesting that these verses follow right on the heels of verse 7 and 8 of Matthew 7. It says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. To him that knocketh it shall be opened. Promise. Ask. Seek. Knock there. God wants God wants to do it. We're his children. He's gonna he's gonna he's gonna give it to us. You know, it's as as parents, 
Um, we love to care for our children. We love to give them things. We, we love the expressions that they... You know, there's different things that certain ones like, and you give them what they want. I mean, their eyes can get big as saucers, and uh, it's, it's, it's a delight. Um, also, I reflected on remembering uh, holding a newborn baby. There's just something about that little bundle that God has given you. You had a little part in bringing it to the world, but He gave it to you. And that is going to be the only thing that you will be able to influence to go to heaven with you. So it will be our desire to do good and give good things to our children. But then there's the other side. Us earthly fathers are not perfect. We fall short sometimes. And it's a fact. As long as we're in this life, it'll be a challenge. But I trust that as we look to God as our perfect Father, that will give us the hope, the drive, to show to our children who God is. So uh, I have a list of five things that God is to His children. And I'm going to go through them and, and we'll talk about them. And it relates to us as earthly parents as well, or fathers. First one I have is he is a provider. I think most of you fathers here are a provider this morning. I can tell that by looking at you. You guys are all well clothed and dressed and look well fed. See any skinny ones? How does a father provide? Well, in today's world, he has a job, goes to work, works with his hands, and uh, so so it goes. And sometimes we call this a vicious cycle. We get wrapped up in it and we, we get obligations. But for the most part, it's, it's good. I think it's good to work and provide for a family. There's verses that pertain to... Uh, being lazy and uh, not filling our part and providing. Luke 12, 24. I'm in the wrong chapter. Luke 12:24 Consider the ravens for they neither sow nor reap which neither have storehouses nor barns and God feedeth them how much more are ye better than the fowls Very familiar verse very common application you know God cares for his creation and he's saying you know how much more how much better is he going to care for you and that's a promise Also there in Matthew the very uh, last verse there, Matthew 7:11. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask Him? 
God's delight. God loves to give good things. Do we ask, do we seek God for good things? Are our wants and our needs in balance? second one I have is for uh, the list of five list of five things that God is to his children is he's my disciplinary sometimes we cringe at this word we don't like to be disciplined do we the word discipline has the meaning to train correct cultivate educate and we do this with our children to help develop and, and for them to mature Proverbs 15.10 Correction is grievous unto him that forsaketh the way, and he that hateth reproof shall die. Do you hate reproof? Do you hate correction? God has to correct us sometimes. Maybe in unpleasant ways, Maybe in, play, in ways that maybe we don't fully understand. Sometimes God uses hardships and afflictions, and that's His discipline. But you know why He does it? It's because He loves us. Hebrews 12, verse 5. I'm going to read verses 5 through 11. I got a fair amount of verses here this morning, so if you don't feel like turning, just sit and listen. Hebrews 12, verse 5. And ye have, for, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise thou the chastening of despise the my son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with a son. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily... For a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but ye for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening now no chastening for this present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards I yielded the peaceful fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Chastening. Discipline important. You know what a child looks like when he's not disciplined, right? You feel kind of embarrassed for the parent. At least I do. Another example I thought of is Paul. Remember the thorn in the flesh that he had? It's found in 2 Corinthians 12, 5 and 9. Not going to turn to it, but uh, Paul had a 
a thing that had to remind him of his shortcoming. He interceded to the Lord three times, and God said no. And uh, it was there as a thing to teach Paul. God can use the most painful situations to teach us things we might never have listened to Him because we were so comfortable. If we're comfortable, content, where we're at, it's not as apt to listen to what God has to say to us. Another thing, I'm not familiar with sheep very much, but I'm, I'm told that a shepherd... If he has a sheep that will wander from his flock, he will usually break the leg of that sheep. And that is so that he can have a relationship with that sheep. Because that sheep no longer is going to be able to run around. It's going to have to be carried on the shepherd's shoulders. And during the time of healing of that leg, that sheep and shepherd will have a relationship. And hopefully that relationship will continue after that leg is healed. But sometimes do we need to have our legs broke so God can have a relationship with us? Third one, he's my security. This is where fathers play a good part in their children, security. fun watching children at nighttime or dusk, dark, when it's starting to get dark. You know, they may be out playing. We have campfires once in a while and, you know, once it starts getting dark and it's getting harder to see, it's not very long and they're getting closer to you. And before you realize it, they're sitting on your lap. You're their security. Just yesterday I did chores at a neighbor's barn and had floors in it that were slatted and you were above a pit and my two-year-old was very petrified. It took him probably almost an hour to get over it, but he walked and tried to walk on the little four or five inch concrete and avoid the little gaps in between and he just was screaming and hollering. I mean, when you grabbed his hand, I mean, he hung on for dear life. He thought he was going to go. I was his security. But till we got done, he was running. I also remember as a child being petrified of dark. And I remember, I have no idea what age I was, and I hope this isn't embarrassing to anybody, but I remember going to the apartments at Maranatha, at MBS, and I think somebody was living there at the time. I don't know if it was a skit or what, but they turned the lights out, and some crazy noise some came out of somewhere, some box somehow. I don't know what was going on, but I remember throwing a fit. And I screamed. And I, if I remember right, I think my mom and dad were pretty mad at me because I think we had to leave early. And I think there's more than just them that are here this morning that probably remember that too. So how much more is God going to protect us? We're his children. We have an insight into Job's experience. Job 1, where Satan and the angels are going about 
and they came to God. Well, if I can get to Job. Job chapter 1. Verses 6 through 12. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered thy servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast thou made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hand and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy... Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put forth thine hand. So Satan... Put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Right there we have a promise that we have a hedge about us. That's comforting to me to know that God protects us. Not only physically, but spiritually. I'm not talking about eternal salvation here or eternal uh, or eternal uh, security. Thank you. But there is protection with God. I remember a story being told. Uh, I can't remember if it was in a book or somebody at Bible school was telling it, but there was a man that wanted to see the hedge of protection around him. How many remember that story? Nobody? Okay. Must have read it in a book. Um, This man wanted to see what the hedge of protection was around him. And so he asked God, he said, for... I forget what the time, way, time frame was, but he asked God to remove that hedge. And uh, the gist of the story is, don't ever ask God to remove the hedge of protection around you. Because if I remember right, it was a matter of a short time, the bo- their boy come running in with a broken arm, and uh, there was umpteen other things that happened. And that man was back on his knees asking for God to put the hedge about him again. God offers protection that no earthly father can ever offer. He offers protections for our soul. Let's look at Psalms 91. Through 16. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say, the Lord, He is my refuge and my strength, my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Surely He, has, surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noise of this pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers, and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be a shield and a buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror of night, for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in the darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right side. But it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. 
Because thou hast made the Lord, which is thy refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee, to keep thee in all thy way. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, and the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him, and I will be with him in trouble, and I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. God is our protection. Next one that I have is, he's personal. God is personal. As I reflected on this one, uh, you know, children are all different. No child is the same child. Some take a little more love. Some need a little more attention. Some need a little more coaching and coaxing. And some need a little more... Uh, Whatever. Fill in the blank. point is that they're all different. And God works with His children in different ways. We're not all the same. He knows what I need to get through today. He knows what I need to get through tomorrow. He knows what you need to get through today. So He cares about the very small details of our lives. Matthew 10.30 Getting down to being real personal here. But the very heads of your head are all numbered. Is that personal? Whether you've got a head of full hair or a head with not very much hair. What can I say? Look at Psalms 139. Thirteen through sixteen. For thou hast possessed all for thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret, and curiously wrought in the lowest part of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. God knows every detail, even to the most fact in our personal formation, as we were being formed. He knows everything about my life and your life, whether you want Him to or not. There is no getting around that. And God will delight in speaking and giving guidance to His children on a personal level. The last one that I have, He's always there. sure some of you have had the experience where you've had a child get up from a nap and wonder where dad is 
or what's dad doing? At least that's the way it is at our house. What's dad doing? Where's he at? Or I might come in. What are you doing, dad? They want to know where I'm at. Um, I understand there's dads that work away from home and this is different. And that's all right. But there's still a time that you can be with your children. Evenings, weekends, whatever. And that should still be a time for your children to enjoy you being there. There is absentee, absentee dads. Dads that don't want to be dads. And that child may never know it's a dad. And that's a very sad situation to be in. I know sometimes there's legitimate reasons to be gone from home for long durations and that can be done in this place. But I, my advice is not to do that more than you have to. But you know, the promise we have here is God is going to always be a father. Even to those that are without a father. We just need to call upon him. Deuteronomy 4, 7. Sunday school lessons looking at Moses. Here's another one. Deuteronomy 4, 7. Moses is speaking. He says, For what nation is there so great who hath God so nigh unto them as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon Him? For. Hebrews 4. We are invited to come to the the throne of grace with confidence. We're invited to come into God's presence. We don't have to be scared, timid, bashful, reserved. But we can come with boldness and we can ask. Hebrews 13.5 I'm jumping around. Very familiar Another very familiar passage, Hebrews 13.5. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. There's a promise. God is going to always be there. He will never, never leave us. And the list could go on. You could probably add to this list. I know it could go on. But with confidence, I know that I can tell you this morning that God is a perfect, that God is perfect, and He always will be. So as dads, I challenge you to be a provider for your family. Protect your family to the best you can. Train your children in the way of truth. They need you in their lives. Your children will want you to be your children want to be like you whether you realize it or not. And as you grow in character to be more like God, that will help them to see God.